Hello and welcome back to the Kivecast. Thank you very much for joining us once again. A uh, little bit of an impromptu episode today, not much of an agenda. Thank you for plenty of questions that have come in though. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I was due to be behind enemy lines tonight. I was going to be on the Red Robin podcast uh, representing the Tigers the best I could and kind of fighting our corner a little bit over there. But um, due to some unforeseen circumstances, they're not recording um tonight hope everything's okay over there in east hull um but that does mean that i've got a little bit of time this evening um to do this podcast probably this morning you'll be listening to this um to be honest but again welcome thank you very much for joining us quite a bit's happened hasn't it over the last couple of weeks um it's been fairly busy to say the least and um there's been some mood changes there's been all kinds of things going on um there's plenty to discuss and as i say thank you for all your questions as well um so much to talk about, so much to talk about. Um, and that means I can't do it all myself. I can't do it all just by myself one more time. I can't speak to you again for an hour or an hour and a half. I'm going to annoy you all at some point if it's just me. So I have, much like much like Cass, actually, brought in some reinforcement <laughs> for this one. Um, and actually, it's reinforcement that's been here before. So in a way, you are kind of Coif Cass, Alex Foster, I suppose. <laughs> um, Adam Hughes is back on the podcast. Um, how are you doing, Adam? How are you doing? I'll I'm good, mate. I'll, I'll take that comparison. I'm a big fan of uh, Fozzie, so I'll uh, take that comparison quite happily. Yeah, I thought you'd like Glad to be back. Thank you for having me back. And clearly I didn't do too bad of a job. You've not banned me from the podcast just yet. No, not blacklisted. You did very well, mate. Uh, I've had a lot of very, very positive comments about our episode in particular. Uh, I think it's the longest episode we've done, but... I loved it. I loved it. And I mean, you've got every right to be a little bit smug on this episode, to be honest, in certain instances, although maybe the names haven't been spot on. I think the idea behind what we did uh, back in episode two with the Coivecast has kind of come to fruition in a big, big way, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit sooner than we thought, though. Yeah, I've messaged you a couple of times saying, oh, I was close with the name. The position were right, but the, the name wasn't quite right. Um, obviously, I, we spoke about a couple of Queensland Cup, New South Wales Cup signings uh, back when, in episode two when I did the team, uh, or my 2024 team, should I say, mm-hmm. um, and got kind of some positions correct and some ideas that we kind of talked about of coming coming to uh, into the club in the last couple of weeks, which is, is quite nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, off the top of my head, you definitely mentioned about getting a prop from that competition in New South Wales Cup. You certainly mentioned about getting a hooker as well. Mm-hmm. Um, from that way on, I think you maybe even said Queensland Cup, I forget, um, but either way, um, pretty much the same comp. I don't really differentiate between the two, to be honest, yeah. that second grade between the NRL. Yeah, um, yeah Cass have been busy. Cass have been busy. Um, Twitter, as always, social media, Facebook has been a, an interesting place over the last two or three weeks since I last left you. Um, there's been some lows. There's been some real lows. I kind of left you last time just saying, you know, just, Forget about Wakefield for a bit. Stop melting down because of Wakefield. Let's just focus on us. Let's just have a little bit of faith that the club knows what they're doing to a certain degree. And I admit, I admit at the time, it was kind of hard to see where kind of positivity would come from. Um, but I think it goes without saying, the positivity is here, I think. Um, four signings. I, I, didn't, I expected us to bring a couple in. Uh, I wasn't expecting four. And I certainly wasn't expecting outgoings to kind of make sure the, the incomings could come, to be honest, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, we've been very, very busy over the last four weeks. And shall we just jump straight into the questions? Because I think that feels like the logical thing to do because we're just going to answer everything. Um, yeah, let's dive in. 
as we do that. So I'll kick off with uh, Brandon Wardhead. Thank you very much. Uh, Brandon Wardhead, who on Twitter currently has a Papua New Guinea, Greece and Lebanon flag in his Twitter name. <laughs> it's great commitment to the bit. I like that. I've got a lot of time for that. Um, which of the new signings are you excited to see play? Now, without the obvious answer of all four, I'll let you kick off. Uh, definitely, for me, it's uh, Liam Horn. I think, for me, he's, he's somebody who can really add a little bit of excitement in and around the play of the ball and in and around the rook. It looks like he's quite shifty, quite quick, and it's something that we were maybe missing, especially, and we've definitely been missing since Mac has been injured. injured. Um, which hasn't been the best. I know Jordan Johnston's come in. He's been a good stopgap, solid player. But obviously, he wasn't going to come in and suddenly be um, playing at Man of Steel levels and best play, best hooker in comp levels. It was going to, always going to be this stopgap until we got McShane back or yeah. now brought somebody in. Um, and I think the versatility of Liam Horn as well is really good. Um, I think in, in the... In the release that Cass uh, put out, they mentioned centre, nine, hooker, uh, nine, 13, and even fullback. Yeah. Which it's like <laughs> utility of all utilities. Um, I think when he gets asked, can he put, uh, where does he want to play? He says yes. Pretty much it's, it, and we've got somebody similar, somebody similar already in the team in Jack Broadbent. We've seen him play in a number of positions in the back line. I'm sure if we ask Brody to play uh, front row, it's, it, do a number, I'm sure. Um, but I feel like he's going to really give some excitement, hopefully some real good direction to this team. Yeah, completely agree. I think Horn definitely is the most, um, probably the most attractive, isn't he, of kind of the four signings, kind of the kind of probably the sexiest pick, I think. Um, obviously, he's an international, and they all, mm-hmm. they all are internationals. Or, yeah. Well, uh, aside from Alex Foster, of course. Um, but certainly the overseas players are. Um, he has played for PNG. Uh, I imagine he has pretty much been an understudy to Edwin Apape in that team, but I don't think there's any great worry there. Apape has clearly been very, very good, so there's no shame in that. Uh, been part of a very, very good North Devils team uh, in the Queensland Cup uh, over the last couple of years, as we said. I mean, we kind of waxed lyrical about the quality of that competition. Um, uh, the 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 situation where it's at. And I know there's been a couple of comments here and there about, you know, we're signing players from like PNG and Lebanon and Greece and that comp generally rather than looking at NRL players, you know, I think there's got to be an element of realism there. And I think, I think even the top teams in the division rather than us uh, in the next few years are going to, they're going to probably go the similar approach and str- they're going to struggle to kind of bring these top NRL players in with salary caps gone and they're just not affordable. He's certainly not going to get value for money. I don't think uh, yeah, look- the top players. You look at the way that kind of Samoa and Tonga have, have played in the last sort of World Cup. Um, these top guys are really good yeah. now. Um, those nations are challenging. Obviously, Samoa, Samoa made the final, beat England, and really, well, obviously, just came unstuck against an Australian team that I think could have beaten everybody three times over in that competition easily, um, a cut above the rest. But you look at the sort of players that are coming across now, even with the top teams. They're not overly established internationals. Um, they are more these guys that have been touted maybe in the youth as being future NRL stars and maybe faltered a little bit. Uh, and they're coming over and really lighting up the competition. One name that we talk about is uh, Jake Clifford. Look yeah. how well he's playing over at FC and rightly so, getting rumoured to be going straight back to the NRL after, after a year, which is an amazing thing. But he's 
coming over and absolutely lighting up Super League. And it's only great for this competition to have those players coming across. Yeah, I completely agree. I think we mentioned this a few days ago. Uh, we were chatting about it and that's the thing. It's, I mean, rugby league fans were negative. Aren't we? That's, what, that's yeah. what happens. You look at everything with glass half empty sometimes and you kind of go, oh, well, you know, you're not getting these kind of established names anymore. You're getting the younger players and that's a good thing. <laughs> People need to realise that's not necessarily a bad thing. They don't need to have 70, 80 NRL caps in order for them to be a good player in this comp. I think there's a realisation when we're going to, it's going to become more and more obvious as well. Super League, I mean, I watch a fair bit of NRL on kind of Thursday, Friday, Saturday mornings. You watch it, there's an argument to be made now that the Queensland Cup and the New South Wales Cup is probably closer to Super League than the Super League is to the NRL. It's as simple as that. It's a probably similar kind of competition. And you know what? If those players from these divisions who want to have NRL careers going forward want to use Super League as a, as a proving ground, I don't think we should be looking at that and saying it's a negative thing by any means. I say Clifford's a perfect example. There's even better ones I would suggest. Jackson Hastings did it. Um, you could argue Brody Croft's doing it right now yeah, as well. Absolutely. Um, and to an even lesser degree, um, or a very, very one that's happening literally right now, you look at Brad Schneider, uh, who obviously we're going to come up against on Friday. He was literally come over for a loan deal, similar uh, to what Billy the Greek is doing when he's coming over here as yeah. well. And he's kind of making a name for himself and, I mean, boys, he made a name for himself with two games, two drop yeah, Absolutely. That'll do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that makes me quite excited about the calibre of the three players we're going to bring in, frankly. I'm not going to say I, I watch loads of lots of state football in, in, in Australia. Of course, we don't, we don't have it. Um, but I'm pretty confident the quality of these players is going to be right up to scratch. And, yeah, again, we'll, we'll focus on Horn. The versatility, as you mentioned, has to be a positive. Um you mentioned yourself, obviously, in episode two, then the need for that hooker going forward, obviously, the crucial thing with Horn is it's not just for the end of the year, it is for another year and potentially 2025 as well. It's a move looking forward. I think he's 26, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, plenty left in the tank. We did talk about Kane Robb's effectiveness on the, off the bench, but not necessarily that 80-minute player. Obviously, Paul McShane's getting through in the years as well. I love it. I, I absolutely love that move. Uh, the versatility helps in the short term. Him as a maybe a first choice nine at some point long term may may work that, that that might be what we do. Um, so yeah, Horn is is a very 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 exciting exciting signing in my opinion, and then and then going forward, um, you know, the, I mean, I'm just excited about all of them, frankly. I mean, I'm very excited about Billy in the sense that he brings some real size to the pack. Uh, I think he's six foot four, I believe. Again, right kind of age. You want to really kind of prove himself. Um, yeah, we've had problems all over the park, don't be wrong, this season. So there's not been one kind of position where I really felt we need to strengthen. But we have been a bit toothless in the pack in the middle. I think that's fair to say. And, you know, we were getting a really hard working prop there in Billy. And I'll let you chat about him now, Adam. And you, you can do the first pronunciation of the name if you want. Um, I, I won't be because I definitely <laughs> will butcher it. And, and good luck to John L, the announcer at Cast Tigers, um, for that first home game when he when he's playing. Um, he'll probably need it with some of these names that have come in. But it's, <laughs> Billy's Billy looks like an absolute giant of a player, and he looks like he's got some really good goal forward. His leg speed's great, and he looks exciting. I know we, there were a couple of grumbles at the highlights package that Cast put out. Uh, a couple of people saying he's just going into contact, but. I mean, the first clip they showed were him absolutely charging into Payne Haas, and we all know exactly what he can do. Yeah. Uh, having probably watched him at state of origin level, um, it's not exactly an easy task going up against him, and he looked like he were driving him back, and he looks 
kind of like the kind of player that we need that's going to be a, a straight up runner. We've got these uh, ball playing forwards at the moment in the shape of kind of like Watson, Westerman, who are, maybe lack a little bit of that brunt at times. Um, and really, when it comes to laying that platform, we've maybe just been lacking it. And it looks like Billy's just going to be able to really give us that um, for the guys like Jonathan, Rob, uh, Liam Horn, whoever's going to be playing hooker to kind of play off the back of. And that should only help uh, Jacob Miller, whoever else partners him in the half. Obviously, Widdup's out this week. Uh, Riley Dean, obviously, in there. he's going to lay them a platform and give them probably a bit more time on the ball which can only help us play a bit more fluidly in attack, which is really what we've been wanting. So hopefully kind of really lets us, as I say, lay that platform and gives us that kind of base to build off. Yeah, I completely agree. I think so much of today's game as well, it's very much about getting those, and whether you like it or not, it's very much about getting that roll on, getting those six against. It's about landing on your front. It's about that quick play of the ball. It's about having a bit of a motor about you as well. You need that and... I think one player who's probably been very unheralded over the years has been very, very good at that for us is Nathan Massey. Obviously, he's back this week, thankfully, which is a good one. But I think throwing Billy in there, you've got someone who's you know, probably three or four inches taller than him, a fair bit, fair yeah. bit bigger. Um, you know, in the write-up that Cass did about him, it was very much talking about his engine, the fact he can do long minutes, mm. got some real endurance about him. And I think him probably even more than any of the others, the fact he's only come on a loan deal to the end of the year, very much a point to prove. That's a... That's a for, for a, a guy in his position who has played in NRL as well, mm. I think, again, I think he's about 26. You've, you've got someone coming over, kind of at the drop of the hat, willing to, willing to take a flight over to UK to join a side in 11th position for eight games. That's not someone who's going to rest on his laurels. because so He won't be on huge money either. It's, it's not something, we're not absolutely splash the cash on this guy by any means, I don't think. Um, that's someone who wants to really put his, his best foot forward here. And... Um, yeah, I think it could be perfect in kind of laying that platform. And although obviously teams do their homework to a certain extent, a little bit of an unknown as well, which can't be a bad thing. I think all the all all three of these overseas players, there's going to be a sense of unknown because fair enough, the coaching staff and the analysts might watch these guys, but I'm not having that all the players do. <laughs> so there's going to be a sense of not quite knowing what's coming off the bench as well, and that can only be a good thing, I think. Yeah, it's a bit of excite, bit of excitement off the bench. Probably he'll start. He might end up starting towards um, the back, towards the back end of the season once he's got kind of acclimatized and yeah, uh, he's got his head around sort of the systems that we're wanting to run. Um, I think you speak about the engine. I think doing long minutes in this team is great. It's it's maybe something we've lacked from as impact players off the bench. Yes, thinking about Vete and Matagi, um, they've done jobs. Um, but maybe not for the long minutes that we maybe need to kind of spell these guys like Massey, like Watts, or maybe the ones that would be doing the longer minutes. Um, yeah. And we've seen it this year with Massey obviously getting a bit of a bang um, on his knee for uh, the Warrington game. Watts has been in and out of the team, whether that's through injury or suspension. Um, Westerman's done long stints as well. So it, it, it can only help those guys as well be a bit more impactful and give them a bit more energy, having another body that's, Going to eat, eat up these minutes. Yeah, I completely agree. I think our, our, our pack, within being straight in the squad, okay, I think our pack immediately looks stronger. Obviously helpful that uh, Massey's back in, George Lawler as well, I think is going to be a, a massive plus. And we will get onto a bit of the whole KR preview at the end. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's right. I think there's certain players, I think Liam Watson's a good example. Uh, certainly in the last few weeks, he's probably had to play longer minutes than he probably should be, to be honest. Uh, he put in a big stint. Um 
think it was the home game at Salford, wasn't it? I think him and Lawler did huge minutes. Uh, sorry, him and Griffin did huge minutes. Um, but in fact, with Watts at this stage of his career, with what he kind of had, you you probably want him on twenty minute spells really at this stage. He will. The fact he was able to do an hour sixty five minutes, whatever, was impressive. And you know, you put your hand up and go, you know, thank you, Liam. But really, you you will want him kind of at his best for kind of fifteen minutes at this stage. And if you've got that guy with an engine behind him, you can put the minutes in for him and do a good job. That's good for us. Uh, that is very good for us. Um, that brings us on to the other two signings we've brought in. Then, so we'll start with. Uh, the newest one, um, just today, signed uh, a Lebanese international. This one kind of came a little bit out of the blue yesterday. Of course, Matt Shaw dropped the exclusive around the same time as Cass dropped uh, a very interesting announcement, which we'll discuss in a sec, I'm sure. Well, I think Tassipale is going to give us, again, another strong-bodied runner. Um, looks like a big guy. His, his, his Tash game is on point as well. We covered on that a bit. Uh, a bit ago when he when he did um, sign, um, I think it's only going to increase our ability. It's what we've been crying out for. It's what every fan's wanted. These changes and these big bodied players that are going to add to this team. And I think from watching him in the World Cup, that's what he's going to bring. Just that big body, that straight runner, just aggressive in defence. He's looking. It's looking good. We're, I'm getting a bit too excited over these signings and it's. Uh, I hope it's showing through because I think most of the fan base is uh, feeling the same. Yeah, I completely agree. You talk about his big body and his strength. Um, I didn't mind the pace he was showing on that highlight package that Gas put uh, out as well, to be fair. And I obviously mentioned he's a back rower but likes it in the centres as well. It, all of a sudden, we seem to have loads of options at centre and back row, um, which is interesting because obviously at least one of the players that had to move move on um, to make way uh, for Tassipale is, of course, Mahe Fanua. Him and Limo yeah. uh, have gone. Um, first and foremost, I think we're both in agreement it was the right move. I think that goes without yeah. saying. I think the, pretty much the whole fan base is in agreement with there, so there's nothing worth discussing. Were you surprised they did it and, and the timing of it? And Yeah. Were, were you surprised we actually made that move this time? We knew it'd have to be at least one. Um, so having both Fanua and Faraimo both move on was a surprise, definitely. I think it shows the ambition of the club. I think it's the club going all in on staying up, going all in to make sure that we stay up, um, bringing in three overseas signings when ideally we'd have been, we were looking at one. At sort of this time last week, we were, we'd have been happy with one because um, that's all the quota that we had. So to have three new overseas uh, bodies coming in is is testament to the club, and I think the the guys behind the scenes deserve a lot of credit uh, for making these moves happen. Um, and hopefully, hopefully the fans do give them that. I know they've come under a bit of flack this year, uh, and fans have maybe been saying they've been resting on the laurels, sticking with the squad, hoping that Wakefield are gonna are not gonna be good enough. Um, but I think this past sort of two weeks really shows that that's not the case. And they really want to kind of secure this uh, the future of Cast Tigers in Super League. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I'm really, I'm again, we're being very optimistic about that. I don't think we should be. I think they've given us reason to. This two weeks could, or this two weeks have just gone. I'm hoping we can look back at this in months, years to come, and they'd say this was actually quite a pivotal week uh, in the future, or certainly the short term future of the club, because I think it feels like a bit of a reset. It feels like a complete reset, and it's very brave, to be fair, to do a, do that kind of reset mid-season. 
Um, granted, there's been pressure, but you know, I mean, obviously the the whole mafia uh, has been called. They've, they've had a fair bit of flack, but I think it's almost is it a little bit symbolic as well? The fact it's kind of for Nua and for Imo uh, that have been let go. It almost feels like they're really kind of letting go of that kind of past yeah. that they've had and kind of going in this new direction. I, I, I don't think that was a, a, you know, they could have done that in two separate posts. I don't think it was a coincidence that, that that went out at the same time. It almost feels like we're just letting go of that. And this is very much the future now. We're really striving towards something else. And the fact that, I mean, Matt Shaw is good and he's got his sources, but perhaps we let Matt Shaw know that hang on, there's another international coming in as well. That's why we're doing this. Um, get your story out in a minute. So, yeah. um, you know, it bodes well. I think it bodes really, really well. And you know what? People talk about Grattan on holiday and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we saw it all, but, you know, we did bring in, well, not bring in, but we did promote a director of rugby just a couple of months ago. I think it's fair to say, I mean, the proof will be in the pudding, don't get me wrong, we need to be a Super League team next season, mm. but he's not had a bad first couple of months in the job, has he? Not at all. I think it's it's really good. And I mean, we talk about Grattan being on holiday. If he's been to Australia and brought these three guys back with him, I'm sure he can go to him all times a year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, okay, let's move on then. Um, Fozzie. Alex Foster uh, is the last one that came that has come in. Well, it was the first one that came in. In fact, it was the fourth one we're going to talk about. Uh, returning to the jungle after a stint in the championship. It's been a few years since he was at the club. Um, don't get me wrong. It, had it been the only move we'd made, it would have been a pretty, it would have been pretty disconcerting. Um, but in the hindsight of the last two weeks, you know, it was said at the time he's coming in as cover. And you know, people panicking, going, "Oh, he's, he's not the answer. He's not a difference maker." Clearly, that's not what he was there for. He really is in for cover, and he's a player. I'm obviously, you know, you know him a little bit, obviously, with your time at the club, and he will give everything by the badge, won't he? Uh, yeah. And also, I think at 29, he's going to see this as probably his final opportunity to kind of, if he's ever going yeah. to have a Super League career going forward, probably has to be now, doesn't it? He's got to put his best foot forward in these eight games. So I, I think it's a really, a really strong move, and it's good for the culture of the club as well. It's a similar move to Jordan Johnston for me. Um, probably both guys are seeing it as the probably the last crack at Super League. Yeah. Um, Fozzie obviously had a, a little bit more experience than Johnston a little bit, but it's really nice to see Fozzie back. Um, having worked at the club while they were there, I can say that he's one of the nicest guys in and around Rugby League. Absolutely top bloke. Um, probably nobody deserves it more than Fozzie. Uh, because he's lovely off the field, but he's a real big grafter. He's pro- he was probably a bit disappointed with the way that his time at Cass ended. Obviously, he had a great 2017 when he came in, were absolutely on fire in 2018. And then just the injury bug hit him, and he just couldn't seem to get back on the field at all. And he kind of left Cass in a bit of a, a whimper almost. Uh, he's gone away, uh, been at Newcastle for a couple of years, obviously captained up there as well. Uh, so he's got that experience as well, a bit more leadership. Uh, but he knows what it's like to be in and around a cast team that's winning. Uh, having spent time in 2017 and 2018, he, he knows what kind of good times, as we can call it, a little bit were. Uh, as you yeah. say, he'll be great for the coach. He's great around the club. He's great around the boys. He's not necessarily going to be a straight starter, but if we can get some performances out of him like we did 2017, 2018, I don't think anybody's going to be complaining about this signing at all. Yeah, completely agree. Like I said, I think he's just another one of those kind of square pegs uh, in, in, well, potentially a couple of square holes, mm-hmm. uh, to be fair. Certainly a depth play and the fact that you're bringing in Holland, like like we said, you can fill in at centre in the short term and uh, potentially test part as well. Um, 
yeah, he'll just play where we need him, frankly. And I'm more than happy with that. Again, not the most expensive sign in the world. Um, doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. And no. it, it can only help bringing someone in who's, who knows the club as well. The, the one worry, of course, when you're bringing in kind of overseas players or players from any clubs who don't really have knowledge of casts and knowledge of the club. And I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm sure we've made signings, maybe even this year, who have walked into the ground for the first time and think, what have we done here? You know, there's probably there probably is an element of that. Uh, with all due respect to the club, it's got to be there. I mean, Alex Foster's not going to be in any way surprised by what he finds uh, when he turned up for training uh, last Monday. So that can only help. That can only help. And uh, I hope he goes well. Because you say I only spoke to him a couple of times, but it was a it was a top top bloke from what I, from what I gathered. Um, let's move on then. We've talked about all four signings. There's a couple more questions to be had, uh, kind of along the same lines. First one is from Ryan, uh, Prince 93 um, And he says, he precursed this by saying, not moaning, by the way, just a question, happy with the signings. But he does say, are we disappointed we didn't get Kyle Iroh? Um, if you listen to, well, if you read uh, The Mole in Wide World of Sports over in Australia, he featured an article last night saying that they're in Australia, they're very aware of Super League interest in Kyle Ira. We are still regarded as the number one destination in that article, which is interesting. Obviously, we don't have a quota spot now. I don't think we get in this year by any means. And there is another question from, I think it's Mason Hurst. We might as well answer now. Uh, do you reckon we'll bring anyone else in through the off-season or before it ends? Um, off-season, maybe, but certainly before the end of the season, I don't think we will now. I think that will be it unless something really drastic happens. Um, so yeah, I, I think Iro is. I think Iro is dead for us. Um, but I'll let you speak about how disappointed you are in that. But I had a bit of a theory that I kind of figured immediately that might be the case anyway. To be honest, I think we're, we're probably along the same lines of that. Um, Iro were obviously an exciting name that got proposed, and I think eyes lit up around around the fan base when we were linked with with him. Yeah. Um, I'm not too disappointed with that. now we've seen what else has come in. Yeah. If we'd, have, as you say, if we'd have brought in Fozzie, taking nothing away from him and kind of, even just kind of Fozzie and Billy, I'd have been happy, but I'd have still been going, oh, it could have been Iroh though. Mm. Having now seen Horn and Tassipale come in, it, it softens that blow a little bit, which I don't 100% think it was a, a guaranteed option anyway. Uh, and I'm sure you'll come on to that anyway. Um, talking about do we see anybody coming in sort of on the off-season there's names already linked and uh, apparently with Nixon Putt and uh, Namo the other uh, Papua New Guinean he's them two are apparently um, signed and sealed till the end of the year this, that's us now I think we're pretty much spent up to cap I know there's about a week left before the deadline I think that's that's it for us until sort of the off-season now yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I completely agree. And yeah, my, my take on Iro was that, to be honest, I, I don't... I, I kind of tweeted about this and uh, I kind of made my point on it. And I, I think we were led up the garden path a little bit uh, with Kyle Iro. I think there was, there was definite... I mean, obviously, Andy Lass was asked about uh, the speculation on Iro. And I, I think for sure we made an offer. Uh, I think that's definite. I don't. I don't think we've lied about that by any by any way. I think we absolutely made an offer with Kyle Iro, and uh, I think we may have we may have absolutely agreed some personal terms. To be fair, as was reported, but uh, I do wonder whether on his side, whether on uh, Iro's side, as in his agent or Iro himself, potentially, 
that was kind of, I, I think there was an element of we were used. I, I really do think we were used to a certain degree. Um, I don't think it's any coincidence whatsoever that Kyle Lara has been out of the NRL and all of a sudden he was in Cronulla's squad, albeit as an 18th man. Uh, I think that, you know, <laughs> maybe it's a coincidence, but the fact it was the week that there was reports that he was moving elsewhere in agreed personal terms, all of a sudden he's flown in. I, I, I think there's something to that. I, I really do think there's something to that. I think, that. I think his side were putting pressure on Cronulla to get him involved because he is regarded as the top player in the New South Wales Cup. This is not... Yeah. We've, we've signed other players in the competition, obviously, this week. We've not signed the best player in the comp. That, that's literally what he's at. And, you know, I think I tweeted as well for context. You know, he was the, literally the player of the year in 2022. The top point scorer was Adam Kieran, who's been one of the best centres in Super League this mm-hmm. year. And he was the player of the year above Adam Kieran. So that's the level he was at. Um, we made an offer, as I say. I think we were used a little bit, and that happened. It happened. It's not our fault. I mean, we were we would add we had every single right and were correct to to make an inquiry. I think we absolutely were. Um, but these things happen, and I'm ultimately I'm ultimately happy with our business anyway. Um, so I'm not really upset with that one. And you know, if we can get something going for next year, who knows? Um, but that I guess does bring us on to the other question we've got about recruitment, which would be this is from Jack Westmoreland. If we stay up and Big Billy, I like that. It's just going to be Big Billy forever, isn't it? Yeah. Um, if we stay up and Big Billy was to stay next year with Put, Nemo, Horn, Tassapale, uh, and also Edwards, Vete, and Miller all sign up, who do you think we'd sacrifice? Because that would mean we'd have one extra quota spot. Um, yeah, I, I think the easy answer to that, I think we discussed just off air, is Big Billy probably won't stay. <laughs> I think you look at that and you go, well, the one who's not got a contract for next year is probably the one who won't be under contract next year. Yeah. Uh, it's the logical way of going about it. It will be a shame if he absolutely, I mean, don't get me wrong, I really hope he has a storm for eight weeks, but it would be a little bit of a shame if he's, if he's absolutely flying and then he doesn't stick around. But contracts are contracts. And as you say, there's Edwards, Vete and Miller there. Realistically, would you look at every single one of them and see if there's an out? Mm. yeah <laughs> you could certainly ask the question but it's not yeah. as easy as that is it if he comes over and absolutely storms it you, you're looking at options of who can potentially move on but then you've also got to look at who replaces them in their position as well is it a straight swap probably not from those names um, well I guess Vete there's also be. room Vete, but, yeah, Vete, sorry Vete would be the only one but um, and then Edwards, with the amount of back rowers we've kind of brought in, maybe would be somebody that would look. But you're looking at sort of uh, the other guys, It's you'd be looking at replacing them with somebody else as well. Um, but yeah, I think the, the common answer and probably the logical one that will happen will be Billy might not, uh, won't stay for 2024. Um, obviously, it's just a loan deal, which if he comes over and um, absolutely kills it um, and decides to go back, um, I'm sure we'll all shake his hand and say thank you, <laughs> very much so. But it, there might be a, the door open for a potential return um, further down the line. So you never know. But uh, well, you never know what might happen between now and say next February when we're starting this 2024 season. Yeah, exactly. And he's got to have them stormers first, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean we don't we don't want to put one foot ahead. And we're very good at that as fans, as rugby league fans, aren't we? But I mean, we've got to let you watch him take the field first. He could be useless for all we know. <laughs> so let's hope he's good. Let's hope he's good and worthy of a deal next year. Yeah. Um, he did also mention about his friend at Wigan. 
during that interview. I, I don't know who this friend at Wigan is. I need to go through his uh, backstory and see who he's played at, uh, played with uh, <laughs> during the New South, New South Wales Cup days. Yeah. He did mention about having a good friend at Wigan. So if he's a you know a man of steel prop, then yeah, maybe we get an offer of Lancashire as well. So yeah. there's a there's a possibility there. Um, because because they need a better um, signing well, than what they've already made this this year, ready for next year. Good point. And today, Tyler Dupree <laughs> yeah, in his position. Tyler Dupree yeah. just just spent uh, Salford uh, just topped Salford's club record uh, transfer fee received to bring him over as well, which is crazy. Yeah. So it's not just us in the relegation scrap who are making last minute deals, is it? <laughs> it's across the board. Everybody's on the lookout. Yeah, as they should be. As they should be. Absolutely. I think there's still seven or eight days as well before the deadline, so maybe some other stuff um, gets over the line as well. Thankfully, not a question, but I would say our business now officially. I mean, again, we need to see these guys on the field, and hopefully, you know, you kind of crossing your fingers that they live up to the expectation. After we were very much on the back foot in terms of recruitment, dare I say, I'm much happier with our happier with our recruitment than Wake, Wakefield have done. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Obviously, Dave Defeater gave them that initial kind of boost, fair enough. But if rumours are to be believed, they're paying him an awful lot of money in order to do that. Um, I believe it's pretty much the fella who's taken him over who's basically paying his wages by the sounds of things. Mm. Obviously, Luke Gale came in. All right, for a couple of games, he's crocked again. One of those. And then beyond that, it's... Yeah, it's, it's fine, isn't it? I mean, there's, there's a couple of men in his senior this week. Senior. And, you know, they were quite happy with that. I think it's the fourth time he's been at Wakefield now. I mean, there's got to be a point, and I don't mind in a senior, I think he's okay, but there has to be a point in a Super League player's career, especially his age, when he turns around and goes, if I'm my fourth loan deal to the team at the bottom of the, ta- bottom of the table and I can't secure a long-term deal somewhere, then probably tells you all you need to know, really. So I- I'm really not worried by that business by any means, and I'm just trying not to think about what I feel, really. No. Uh, yeah, I- I- life's happier when you're not thinking about what I feel, Trinity, that's for sure. Um, what should we come on to next then? Uh, there's a message from Danny Tonks here. Thank you very much. We kind of covered this, to be fair, in episode two, really, but we can go on it very, very briefly. Uh, who do you think will leave at the end of the season? I've got a few names, and he says Vete, Edwards, Massey, Evolds, and Turner. Um, I, think, I think we probably disagree with Danny, really, <laughs> for the reasons we've said. I think it's going to be very, very difficult um, it's very, very difficult to get people off contract again, really. Uh, in this yeah. money's, this is not football. This is they're not multi-millionaires who don't really care that, that they don't have a wage next year. Um, rugby players do because they have to mm. pay bills and stuff. So if they've got a, if they've got another year on the deal, particularly if you're an overseas player and you're probably on upwards of six figures, which I imagine Vete and Edwards probably are, or very, very close to very it. close at the very least. Yeah, um, I imagine they'll be here next year, and I don't think it's as simple as getting rid. Um, I think the whole KR podcast I was going to go on made a big deal. They were going to ask me why Albert Vette blocked me on <laughs> on socials. Uh, I assume it was just off the back of episode two and us saying that we would find, try and find a way to get him off the books next year. But ultimately what we said was it would be very difficult and he probably yeah. will be here. And that's just a fact, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think I accounted for him being here in that yeah. um, episode two in my team. I think I had a quote of spot spare, which I said was, Either Spare or Albert Vette, um, which is interesting. I mean, I'm sure he's. Uh, I'm sure if he if he contacted you, you'd uh, give him a very nice apology. Um, and I get him on the podcast. 
I'd get, on, I'd get him on the podcast if you want to have a chat. That's Talbot. absolutely fine. I, I, I've, I've not been disparaging the guy. <laughs> Albert's listening. Come on, uh, have a chat with Ross. Yeah. Lovely guy. Um, I, yeah. I'm still I'm still clinging on to hope that he basically earned this deal, or in, in our eyes anyway, because he ended the season with Hulk KR very well last year. Maybe he's got maybe he's got a really good four or five games in him. Well, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, I think the the Ed, he mentioned Kenny Edwards in in that list. Um, another one that won't won't be going. I don't see unless he really wants to go home or retire. But I know he's been over in sort of uh, Catlands at first, and then Huddersfield for a number of years. So you'd expect him to be one of the more settled overseas signings that we've got. Um, I'm trying to remember who else he said. Massey, well, one I picked, he, I definitely picked up on. I believe it. Massey will stay. Um, I think he offers a body. At, at the very least, um, and plus he knows the club, uh, knows what we're expecting, and and we mentioned it. You mentioned it a bit earlier, kind of that go forward, very solid in defence. I think, um, kind of been almost a defensive leader at times this year. I think, um, so I think he stops. Um, Evolds with with all of the rumours that he's heading over to, um, Hulk AR. Yep. Um, Jordan Turner, I believe, was another name on there. I, I, I don't think anybody would be ashamed to um, say that we're expecting him to maybe move on. No, I, um, I think Jordan, I think Jordan Turner would be a shock to anyone if we gave him a reasonable deal. To be honest, I, I think he's, he's probably come around to the fact, especially now injured as well. Yeah. Um, but I think I think he was one of those players. I think we said at the time it was maybe just a year too long. I think for Jordan Turner, and had it not been for a World Cup last year. He might have called it a little bit sooner, or certainly called yeah. Super League a little bit sooner. Um, great player in his day, but just just not there anymore. Unfortunately. Yeah. Any other names that I'm missing on? Maybe uh, with Danny's list. Uh, that was Danny's list. To be fair, that's covered Danny's list. Um, yeah, I would suggest to Danny. To be honest, uh, you might have listened to episode two. Go back and listen to episode two again. To be honest, because I think we pretty much covered it. We covered it in that instance. There's a couple of little changes here and there because obviously the new signings and obviously the fact they're on longer deals, but. As you say, you pretty much account for quota spots and it's just a matter of different names in those spots, really, uh, from what you said originally. So, yeah, head back to episode two if you want to hear our take on what we look at, what we look like in 2024. Um, we've got a very interesting question, which we're not going to address right now, but I will do on a future episode purely because I didn't know they were out yet. and <laughs> We didn't until about five minutes before we started recording. Uh, but Tail and Charlie, um, thank you very much. Uh, said, account your thoughts and apparent lack of transparency at board level. Um, I can't work out whether that's two separate questions or not, or whether they're directly linked because he's had a good look at the accounts. I'm not too sure yet because we've not had a chance to dig in. Um, Caster's accounts for 2022 are available on Companies House now. We've not had a chance to look because we literally found out five minutes before we recorded, uh, but they are publicly accessible so if anyone wants to have a look at those they were recorded uh on the 18th i think so about a week or so ago um so yeah head over there and have a look and i mean you talk about transparency i mean you know every club has got i mean every company's got published the record so they are there um so i honestly can't comment right now so i'm not to look so just take a look uh, if you guys are interested and we can discuss that on a future episode but um thank you for the question though it's interesting i didn't know they were available so Cheers for that, Taylor and Charlie. Um, what else have we got? Um, there's a couple more kind of more general ones now before we get into OKR, uh, which I think is about right. So Matt Casfan, uh, thank you very much. Um, thoughts on loop fixtures possibly determining relegation? So Cass's loop fixtures this year are Saints, Huddersfield, Hull, Wire and Leeds. 
whereas Wakefield have Wigan, Catalans, Salford, Hulkear and Lee. Uh, and Matt says, beforehand, I was really fuming at our luck. Um, and on second thoughts now with Lee and KR, etc., doing better than everyone thought, probably for a Catalans in there as well. Um, it's probably swayed to Cass a little bit in terms of the running. Um, it's tough to say in terms of looking to each game. I mean, obviously, like Saints, Huds, Hull, Wyatt, Leeds. With the current form we're in, because let's be honest, we're not in form, and hopefully that will address itself on Friday and the week after. Um, it's tough to see as many, many games this year, so I'm not going to look into that too deeply, to be honest. But loop fixtures generally, I assume that's something you're very much against. Yeah, I'm, I'm against loop fixtures. I, I don't see the reasoning for them. Um, and I feel like having a, what would it be, a 24... No, 22-game season with a magic weekend uh, yeah. in the current format with 12 teams. Um, plenty of space in there for Challenge Cup games. You can probably go back to the old kind of format for Challenge Cup games and actually get some really nice clashes between lower league teams and super league teams, kind of give them their day out, which yeah. I feel like was really the magic of the Cup kind of back in the day. Um, I feel like 23 games... In a, a league season's really quite a nice number. It's yeah. not heavy. You're not taxing the bodies too much of the players. Um, and if and especially for these teams that are going to make the, these deep runs into Challenge Cup, it helps them give them a little bit more rest. Um, obviously, the NRL have their bye weeks, obviously, because it's an uneven comp. Um, and they make sure that there's plenty of time to rest. Uh, which I think is a really good idea. Maybe it's something we can uh, kind of adopt here in, in Super League as well um, and maybe look after players a little bit better. I mean, uh, player safety has been a big uh, buzz topic, especially this week. It's about to, um, We've got another question as we're recording, so that we are, I'm going to bring out, I'm going to come on to that in a second as well, actually. <laughs> interesting, um, which is a, a big topic anyway. Um, how do we look after these players? We're all, I mean, the RFL are looking into the tackle height, looking at trying to reduce that, obviously bringing it below the shoulders in in a thought of protecting players more. Yeah. Does more rest periods give players the ability to recover a little bit more? Do we keep them on the field a little bit longer? And for more games, make availability skyrocket because they've got these few weeks to maybe rest up on these little niggles that we see throughout the year and stop players maybe pushing through and playing with these niggles. So, yeah, I, I'm all for getting rid of loop fixtures. Let's play it home and away in a magic weekend round. Yeah, and I'm hopefully, I mean, you talk about the reason why we had loop fixtures in the first place. Unfortunately, the reason why, why we have them is because we're completely at the mercy of Sky Sports at the moment. Yeah. And the only reason they were actually brought in the first place is to extend the season because Sky won X amount of games on TV. Yeah. That's literally the only reason. The fact that that was put above player welfare essentially is pretty poor, but probably shows the level of the sport. I would imagine, and obviously it has been discussed today, but apparently not in great detail, there was an RFL slash Super League slash annual meeting thing. Uh, apparently the TV deal wasn't discussed at great length today, which is surprising because the deadline is coming up pretty soon. Um, the talk is it is going to be Sky again. Um, don't know about the money situation. You can't be any less. And it's, it's a big conversation for another day probably. But I would just like to think, because IMG clearly have to have been in these discussions in a big, big way yeah. with whoever the broadcaster might be. IMG were pretty keen on getting rid of these loot fixtures from what I could tell. 
So I would like to think that no matter what, because um, I don't think it'd be a one-year deal. They are talking about whatever it'll be. It will be kind of a multi-year deal regardless of the money. Um, hopefully there's less stress on kind of Super League game weeks almost mm. getting games in and that's been bedded into the proposal. So you don't have to play five or six uh, loop fixtures, whatever it is, because, yeah, I mean, uh, there is an argument that any team going down this year can feel a bit aggrieved. I mean, the fact of the matter is, I mean, neither team's particularly good away. Let's be honest. I mean, you depend on who you're going to play away as well and your home games. It's, it, it's, it could be massive. It really could be massive, these, these extra games you have to play. Um, so hopefully they really do do away with these loop fixtures. And that's kind of on IMG and uh, Rubbly Commercial, I believe it is, who are negotiating yeah. the deal. Hopefully we get a bit of bit of knowledge about what the TV deal looks like. I mean, a, a way around it would be, because I think Viaplay are pretty much dead, uh, would be bringing some championship games in and maybe having championship only weeks or something like that to kind of fill the void. Maybe that's the way they do it. Um, but no matter what, uh, I think loop fixtures simply have to be done away with. Um, it, it's as simple as that, because I'd be devastated if we went down as a result, as a result. Uh, of something like that, which ultimately is pretty unfair. Um, final question then before we get into Hall KR, and it's what I said about kind of player safety. This is kind of a bit of a general thing, but Carl Gibbs has asked, what do you make of what Paul Wellens has said after the semi-final this week? Is he justified or is he just whinging? What do you think, Adam? I think you've got to kind of sympathise with Paul Wellens after the weekend. He's seen four of his players kind of go down with injuries. Um, and all from the one play from one player from John Asiata's tackle technique. Um, obviously, we've now we now know that Parse is out for a number of months. Um, nine, I think it's nine yeah, months. It's a, it looks like a serious one. Wormsley's is a little less serious, but obviously he's now come out and said that Alex is kind of considering his future, whether or not he kind of wants to carry on, um, which. When you look at kind of his in- injury history, um, probably isn't just down to this this fresh injury. Obviously, he, he yeah. broke his neck and has kind of come back from that. So that can't exactly be uh, the greatest on his body at the moment. Um, so he might be considering his life after rugby, which absolutely should be kind of looking to the future. He's obviously got a, a young family, um, kind of wants to see them grow up and, and kind of be able to run around with those yeah. with those little ones. Um can kind of justify why Wellens has come out and kind of slammed the RFL because I don't think any of it really got cited when it came to match review panel. You can kind of see it from both sides. Maybe I'm kind of sat on the fence a little bit, played devil's advocate a little bit. Um, I don't think Asiat has done too much wrong. And where two guys are out for a significant amount of time, which I don't think he's great for the game. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty much agreeing to just sitting on the fence, really. I, it's, it's a very, very difficult one. Because as you say, I mean, the match review panel have come to their decision and kind of let rid of the law, they're probably within the rights. And it, you, yeah, the, you can't really judge things on severity of injury. Like injury, you say, it's a little bit of presence there, but you can't really do it. Um, you know, as you say, it's a semi-final situation. I mean, so often over the years and years and years of this sport, people are kind of praised for putting the body on the line for the team in the big moments and stuff like that. And, I mean, he certainly did, and that's that's I think the argument because it borders on reckless, doesn't it? I mean, he certainly was a bit reckless because yeah. he's, he's had reckless disregard for his own body, never mind someone else. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, it's a shame it's him as well in a way because I, I think he's probably been man of steel to be honest. He's been he's been yeah. sensational this year. He's up there uh, as as he are. So it's it's probably a good thing for the game that he's not 
got a, lot, a lengthy ban in terms of Super League, in terms of kind of him being a superstar this year. But you can understand a little bit of a little bit of grievance from from St. Helens. I think I think one thing where people will always kind of look at the comments after the game and the, 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 a little bit back and forth on Twitter. I, I completely understand the St. Helens point of view. There's always going to be a little bit from neutral clubs and from clubs that are not kind of the big four and things like that, where you look at it, go, well, Wigan and Saints have lost semi-finals this week where they were very much expected to win or they would very much expect themselves to win. And there's very much been, a, a, from both coaches as well, there's been an element of congratulations, Hulk KR, congratulations, Lily, but <laughs> both Matty Pete and Paul Will have done a little bit of that. And it's just, yeah, it probably comes with the territory, you know, probably comes with the expectation of those clubs that, you know, may, maybe it's a good thing to, in their opinion, to take the take the uh, narrative away from the fact that they've lost that game and they're not going to be at Wembley this year. Because uh, Matty Pete had a little bit of an interesting dig about the referee, which I, I don't think was great. Mm-hmm. Kind of question where question where he was from, which is a bit of a man. That's a kind of worms that because let's be honest, it's a very small sport. They're all from somewhere that supports a rugby league team because they support yeah. the rugby league growing up, else they wouldn't be a rugby league referee. Bit of a silly one that, um, and I like Matty Pete, and I think that was just a bit of frustration potentially. Mm. Um, definitely, yeah, definitely frustration. Yeah, there's an element of that from them. Look, they're under a lot of pressure. They're the coach of the big clubs. They've missed out on one of the trophies this year. You know, Matty Pete was he won the Challenge Cup last year in his first year. He's now in a situation where he might win less trophies in his second year, and for Wigan, that's a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I completely get it. Um, and yeah, on the Saints' point of view, I can't fault Paul Wellens' passion. Uh, for it and he spoke very well I thought uh, I thought he came across his interview it was very intense but he clearly prepared what he was going to say and he wasn't wrong and the one thing I would say I don't think he was wrong the worry with this was I'm not sure there's a right answer and that's where nothing's really been done and unless there's a real it's one to look at the end of the year isn't it they've just got to look at the end of the year and if they feel there's got to be a rule change there then they'll make the rule change there's rule changes for a big every single season season. so if they feel this is a, an incident big enough where they have to make a, a distinct change to tackle technique and put eight game bans on tackles like that, then they'll do it. But you can't expect that to happen, you know, in, in, in July, you know, you, they can't change the rule mid season and then just ban him retrospectively. That, that's just not how it works. Is it? Right. then. Uh, thank you very much for those questions, everyone. Uh, we appreciate it very, very much. And um, yeah, I didn't have an agenda for this podcast. So thank you very much for filling that agenda for me. Um, before we get off though obviously there is a game this week it's a big one it's the first of three really really big games I think it's fair to say over the next three or four weeks uh, it's Hull KR it's away it's at Craven Park this Friday night um, yeah it's a, tr- it's a tricky one uh, it, it's a tricky one because <laughs> I think we could win it <laughs> I've said it more many many times in this podcast obviously <laughs> But you look at the situation and you look at 100%, both teams face to face to face, paper on paper. Hockey are a better team. Hockey are won that mm. game, certainly at home for sure. Yeah. However, you look at this game, you go, right, they're in a challenge cut semi final on Sunday. The absolute high of the last minute drop goal in Golden Point, you know, a lot of energy sapped there in that game as well. Some big collisions. Whereas we're going to be 13 days, uh, I think, 13 mm. days fresh uh, after our last trip to Hull. Obviously, plenty of names back. I think there's six changes to the squad. We look very much refreshed. There's a general positivity around the place, certainly within the fan base, and that will resonate. And if you're ever going to catch Hull KR, it's probably now, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost the perfect time to strike. 
they're coming off the high of the semi-final. They obviously won a very tight game the week before as well via a drop goal. Yeah. Um, so that's got to be playing on them a little bit. Um, it will be a little bit scary for us if it's tight towards the end of the game. I'll be expecting uh, another drop goal from from them, which is is not the greatest. Uh, but it, it, it's as you mentioned, it's almost perfect time to strike. Um, hopefully they've had a little bit of a big celebration. Um, they've uh, had a couple of nights out on the town. I'm sure Hull were bouncing um, <laughs> last weekend. But it is quite promising to see the number of names back. Uh, and and the additions, we've obviously got Fozzy and uh, Big Billy in, in the squad for this week. Um Greg Eden back, which it'll be an interesting one to see where he potentially plays. Does he play mm. at fullback with Widdup not being in? Does he does he take the wing spot with Broadbent going to fullback? It'll be interesting to see how we set up. Um, but it's promising to see the number of, of bodies back, and there's a bit of hope kind of now going into this back end of the season with kind of the moves and that have, have kind of gone on over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think there's definitely more optimism. Uh, it's the most optimistic I think we've been all year mm. uh, going into a game, that's for sure. And, you know, I think there's an element as well. I mean, I hope that doesn't get completely diminished if we don't get the result on Friday as well, because we are still going. Because the flip side of this is they might just ride the crest of the wave. I mean, that is a possibility as well. And, you know, mm. the fact I talked about the energy sapping, but obviously they're on a big high and that, that's it. And yes, they've got one line Wembley in a couple of weeks, but... It's either going to be it's either going to be the best time to catch them or the worst time. I think it's as simple as that because it's probably going to be a bit of a party atmosphere at Craven Park as well. Obviously, they'll be kind of welcoming back their kind of conquering heroes who've secured my Wembley date as well. So it's not going to be easy. And like I say, we've not won an away game all year. So by all means, by no means should we be expecting two points. And what I would say is, especially with the fact we've got we're going to have the other two players coming in the week after uh, in, in Horn and the Lebanese lad. I've got his name already. Um, but I'm sure he's going to be. Uh, Tuspali, that's the one. That's the um, one. It kind of feels to me like Huddersfield at home the week after is the real one we have to win. Uh, to be honest, that's where we're going to be kind of full strength in terms of everyone in. Uh, and obviously we're at home, which is clearly a massive factor because that's the only place we can win apart from Newcastle, um, <laughs> apparently. Um, so that's huge. So we shouldn't distinguish everything if we don't get the win, but I'd like to think there's at least be a good performance and a performance we can get is pretty close. Um, talking about the squad, as you said, um, Eden is going to be the, the big factor, of course. As you mentioned, we're out. We don't know why. It'd be interesting to hear what Andy Lass says. Uh, I presume the press conference will be Thursday now, uh, be tomorrow as we're recording this. So I'd like to hear his thoughts uh, on what's happened there. He did post on Instagram the other day. There's no boot or anything to be seen. So whether it's just a last minute precaution, I don't know. Um, I, the more I thought about it, the more I think Eden probably does go fullback. Uh, I did consider Broadbent going there. And obviously when going way back to episode two, we kind of, earmarked Jack Broadbent as a number one for the future. But I think looking at the makeup of the squad at the minute, what we're thinking, probably safer to go Eden there, I think, which is words I never thought I'd say. <laughs> if I'm being honest, Eden going fullback being safer. But it probably is in terms of the uh, in terms of the makeup of the squad, the best option, I think. And uh, on my way on from work today, I was kind of considering the backs especially. And if we line up something like Eden at fullback, uh, you've got Elliot Wallace on the wing. Let's say we go Jason Gary Gary, Jack Broadbent at centre, Will Tate potentially, uh, maybe Fozzie, maybe Sutcliffe in the other centre spot, and then obviously Dean and Miller. 
there's an argument that that's probably our most kind of athletic, certainly our quickest set yeah. of backs all year long, isn't it? And then you look at Hulkar and Dr. Man, they've got some species in there, but there's still the kind of the Sean Kenny Dowells in there as well, who legs aren't quite what they were. And if you can get Hulkar in any way, sometimes it has been paced on the, on the sidelines. So from an athleticism point of view, especially with some of the forwards we're getting back as well, the pack looks as strong as it's been for a good few weeks. Yeah, really strong. Physically, we're probably in as good a spot as we've been, aren't we? Yeah, it's an interesting one. You talk about sort of that makeup of the backs and it being athletic. Um, but then you on the flip side of beating Sean Kenny Dowell with pace, we maybe look a little bit light in power when it comes to handling Sean true. Kenny Dowell. That's true, though. A little bit. Is there an argument that we play Sutcliffe, Foster in the centre, maybe just a bit of a bigger body than uh, Will Tate, who I think could do a job on the wing? Do we go? It'd be the question of probably do we go. Tate or Gary Gary uh, with Wallace on the other wing. The argument with Broadbent is, I think going back to episode two when we, we did the squad, um, we wanted to see a bit of consistency in the position Broadbent were playing. Yeah, um, We stuck him at fullback, but we did mention him obviously at centre as well. Um, and it seems like uh, Andy Lass has kind of backed him to be a centre a little bit more. And that's the position that he's played in for quite a number of weeks. And that's probably why I'd lean towards Eden being fullback to keep that continuity of Broadbent being in, in the centres, um, which I think is what we were kind of clamouring for looking to 2024 and the performances Broadbent were coming in. Um, Okada, obviously a big, interesting team. They've not really rested anybody which is probably a surprise to most, coming in with pretty much an identical squad to what they played the semi-final with, um, which almost scares us a little bit more because of obviously the strength that they've got. Um, the pace may be a little bit better. Obviously, we Ethan Ryan playing more regular. Uh, if they play Mikey Lewis at fullback, um, the other senior brother, um, obviously on the other side, they're a little bit more pacier than if they had say Ryan Hall. Yeah. Um so I don't know. It'll be an interesting one to say the least. And I feel like the point you made about it not being the kind of end of the road if if it does end in, in defeat. Um we have got obviously guys coming in. Um the likes of Billy and Fozzie have only been around the team for say a week or so at this point. Um we can't expect it all to be clicking immediately. It'd be very nice to yeah. Um, but definitely Huddersfield next week is kind of the um, measuring stick, I would say. And I, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And just kind of final point on KR, you made some good points there. And it's interesting because, like, like you say, they've gone pretty much full strength, but it, that also might be an element because they have had injuries themselves that that might just be the 21 they've got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah also an element of that. Because obviously, Ryan, all, I was thinking about this myself because I looked at the squad initially. I was the same as you. I've gone, but yeah, they've gone strong considering they're only two weeks away from the final. But obviously, Ryan Hall's dipped out. They're hoping yeah. he can be back for Wembley. He was pretty much the only change. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that the three that drop out of the squad, uh, or, or the four, really, including the 18th man, they could be quite senior players uh, that actually drop out of that. Uh, yeah. If you look at the squad, particularly with who they brought in uh, to replace Ryan Hall in the squad, if you saw it, it was Jack Walker. Yeah, I'm just, just looking at it now. Jack Walker, obviously, a, a good fullback, the signing from Bradford mid-season to kind of fill in that role left by uh, Lachlan Cool. And it, I, do, I don't think it's quite worked out as much with Walker maybe being cup. I think he will have been cup-tied for 
yes. the weekend's game. Um, I think he picked up a little bit of an injury and it's kind of been a bit of a, mm. a, a revolving door in that fullback line away from Ryan's played there. Um, Mike Lewis obviously was amazing in the semi-final there. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if Walker does play and potentially yeah, I, where. I think he'll. I think he'll play fullback. To be honest, uh, the, more, yeah. the more I look at it, the more I think he's going to play fullback, and they're not going to risk Michael Lewis back at fullback. And in, in a, although he played amazingly well on Sunday, I, he's still a bit of an unfamiliar position for him, mm. especially two weeks out. They're probably looking at that league game. Look, let's be honest; they're all thinking about that league game. They have to be. I know. I know the playoffs on their agenda and stuff like that, and they'll still regard this as a game they want to win, a game they must win, but. Wembley's different when you've not won in, when you've not won there since I think it's 1981 and you know all of East Hall's probably going to be going down there they're going to be looking at that in a, in a big way and Mikey Lewis they're going to need a difference maker against Lee that's for sure they were yeah, they were battered pretty comprehensively by Lee a few weeks ago as well if you remember mm-hmm. and um, you know they're going to need a difference maker That admittedly that was a pretty you know horrible day conditions wise and they had a lot of things up against them it's always sunny on cup final day. So they're going to want, they're going to want the game changers. Mikey Lewis is that game changer. So I, I would be surprised if they throw him in at fullback uh, against us on five days notice. Um, so I think Jack Walker will be in. And like I say, it may be a couple of more of those kind of more senior players that would usually be in the starting 17 don't actually take the field uh, on Friday. Um, I say in hope. Let's <laughs> hope that's, that's the case anyway. It'll be an interesting one for sure. And I'm sure we'll all be um, having his fingers crossed for late on Friday being a, a cast win. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's about all we've got time for, to be honest. Thank you very, very much for, uh, for joining us, uh, everyone that's listening. Um, thank you for taking the last minute call, Adam. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah, the last minute. Uh, last minute move. I didn't know I was recording myself until about seven o'clock this evening. We started <laughs> eight. Uh, Adam came in. I'm sure you've all enjoyed it. It's been a good chat, and it's just nice chat to someone else rather than myself for an hour. To be honest, I'm always here for the SOS call. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll make it more permanent thing. I'm sure at some point. Um, yeah, thank you very much, Adam. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. Please give us a share. Uh, follow us at Coivecast on Twitter if you haven't already. I am in the process. Uh, making social accounts we do have instagram as well if you want to head over there and uh, follow Kivecast. probably going to make a facebook account at some point as well so i stopped pestering the forums so much uh but i do appreciate the forums the cast supporters club all those kind of things uh for sharing this far and wide uh love you all i hope we get two points on friday how good would that be how good would it be to have a little bit of a cushion before we head to bellevue let's hope that's the case and Kive. <laughs>